Hello and welcome to the Spiraling Higher podcast hosted by me, Sam, Mindset and Manifestation Coach. And me, Gina, your Biz and Mindset Coach. We're here to support you on your spiritual journey by bringing you intimate and raw conversations about healing, manifestation, consciousness, and spirituality. We hope this podcast makes you feel less alone as you become aware of your patterns and limiting beliefs to uplevel your life, manifest like a boss, and together, spiral higher. Dude, this conversation was literally mind-blowing. It was so helpful to hear, I don't know, to put a voice to his words. Um, he Xavier is somebody that I have been following for over a year now and probably share and save 99% of his content. <laughs> and literally. to hear his experience and to hear his journey and all the times that he had to spiral through his own shadow work and it was it was just so illuminating. Yeah, I mean, someone that we obviously perceive to have a lot of spiritual wisdom, um, to hear them talk about their dark night of the soul and their journey of becoming an embodied spiritual teacher and how much they still wrestle with their shadows of doubt and fear mm -hmm. and guilt and all of those experiences, um, he's grateful to them all and he's moved through them and alchemized those experiences to just become such a beautifully embodied teacher of of what he knows and has experienced. I, I really can't say much more and I don't want to say much more because I really want everyone to just tune in and really hear the weight and the medicine of his words. Mm -hmm. My intention for this podcast actually, I don't know if I mentioned it when we were actually recording, but I said it before we started. I know that. And I said, my intention is to really be an active listener for this yeah. episode and to not talk as much because you know me and Gina, we'll just be like, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> and, and we do love having those roundtable like discussions and they are what bring a lot of personality to our podcast. But with having Xavier on, I just knew that I was going to be hearing the voice of light through him. And because he's alchemized so much darkness and is someone that I really respect as a shadow, as as a shadow work practitioner, right? Someone who yeah. can really alchemize that heaviness into light. I really just wanted to hear from him and hear essentially what he had to go through to be able to teach and embody those lessons. There mm -hmm. is obviously an origin story for every teacher and he beautifully shares everything that he went through. And I think you will find more courage in your own experience to be activated by hearing his. And he goes into a lot of different archetypes that we find ourselves embodying as we begin to become more fully expressed in our life yeah. that I think will offer a lot of relief and understanding and insight for you on your journey. Yeah, I think what this conversation really helped me to do was to put a name and to put some words to a lot of things that we've been experiencing and healing through. Um, as Sam said, the archetypes are so dead on and so accurate and was so helpful for me to start to embody them. Um, and you'll hear what we mean in the episode. The other part was he talks a lot about false humility, which again, was not a term that I really understood or even knew was a thing. Um, and it's so present in my life and something that many of you might resonate with. Um, this humility of thinking that, oh, I'm not good enough, so I'll just let everybody else have it. Or, oh, you know what? Since I suck so bad, like I'll just get out of the way and you know let everybody else have their opportunity. And you know that that is the shadow, even though it's looking like it's your true self. Like that is also a shadow. And so we're so excited for you to listen into that. Were you going to say something? No, I love that part and how he actually shares his own experiences with the false humility, even yeah. at his stage of growth. I think that 
no matter how far we go along this journey, right, there is an origin point from which we came from and those shadows rear their head from time to time. Yeah. And so learning how to really hold that shadow and he gives actually a really different perspective on how to view your shadow and your dark side. Mm -hmm. Um, There's actually a benevolence to that. And so I won't go deeply into it. He talks about it eloquently, but really listen to this episode with, with your body, yeah, um, we've only said that one other time. I think with yeah, Winifred, Winifred, episode yeah. nineteen, but it will make sense to both your mind and your body. But I think that when I really just allowed my mind to be calm and receptive and hear mm-hmm. this message vibrationally, it it just resonated so deeply. Like there yeah. was definitely a resonance to this conversation that I hadn't felt in a while with another mm-hmm. guest that I'm really honored and excited to bring to you guys as Same. listeners. It's going to be. Really, it's going to be one for the books. And Gina and I are going to be listening to this one over and over. And so there are Mm -hmm. many nuggets to be taken from this, no matter what stage of your evolution you are currently experiencing. And we can't wait for you to listen in and share what you think about it inside of the community. Yeah, share with us your biggest takeaways. Um, We'll see you in there. Xavier, welcome to Spiraling Higher. We are so excited to have our listeners hear from you and your wisdom. Um, I have to say that one of the first things I ever watched from you was part of this, I don't know what it was, it was some coaching thing and then you came on and the first thing you said was, I give myself full permission to fuck this up. And I thought that was so powerful because it instantly put everybody in the audience at ease. And it also, that gave me permission to screw up other things in my life. And so I just want to say thank you for that message because um, what followed after you said that was just so much wisdom you anchored in and you just gave yourself the space that you needed. Um, So anyways, I wanted to start with that, but welcome, Xavier. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. And um, I, you know, there's the honor that I'm feeling. There is no matter how how many podcasts you've been on, there's a little bit of the anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to do so well for your people. Mm. Um, so I'm going to give myself mm. permission to fuck this up royally once again. <laughs> yes, please so that, do. So that yes. I can actually be the space for whatever message people may need, myself included. So I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much, Xavier. Yes, Mm. absolutely. Full permission to fuck up and really just be who you are because that is why we wanted to connect with you and bring your voice to our listeners. Because as I said earlier, for me, you have been really the light at the end of the tunnel. I feel that all of your words hit and resonate the deepest when I'm at a low moment. And It also shows me Mm -hmm. that you have alchemized a lot of low moments yourself. And so we're kind of curious to start at the beginning of your spiritual journey. Was there a rock bottom moment? What sort of shifted you into becoming a light worker? And what was that journey like for you? Well, um, anyways, I love that question. There's this voice inside my head that's like, damn it, I wish I could be the light inside the tunnel, though. Um, When you you mentioned the, the light at the end of the tunnel. But into, going into your question, um, have I been through rock bottom moments? And there's a part of me that laughs because there has been many, many of these rock bottom moments. Um, mm-hmm. The most poignant of the last 10 to 15 years will be definitely arriving in Montreal, full, full paid scholarship to study at the University of Montreal um, and deciding to drop out after a year in the program. Um, 
it was just that huge moment of dissonance that I felt when I was part of it. I was part of the program and I couldn't mm-hmm. reconcile. There's a part of me that I could not manage anymore during that time. I've done a lot of that. It's like I sold myself into next projects. I sold myself a lot before mm-hmm. that into no, when I finish my master's degree, no, when I finish this, right. I will explore that. No, when I do this. And when I arrived in Montreal, a lot of the pressures that were there, meaning family, I still had, I had friends in Montreal, but the pressures weren't that intense coming from them. But the societal pressures were pretty mm-hmm. quiet. So I couldn't no longer bargain with my soul. It became really painful. So I dropped off. And that was a moment of like full collapse in the social structure that I had, meaning parents mm-hmm. feeling betrayed. You know, I don't know about you, but I come from a place where education um, is top of, yes. the, top of the top of the list, especially when somebody like me was lucky yeah. enough to have, I mean, full paid scholarship. I didn't need to work. Um, everything was paid for, even yeah. my living expenses in Montreal. So they were wow. like, I was going crazy. That was their concern. Friends, they were just like, this guy's gone nuts. Mm-hmm. So I went from this position of looking like somebody that had it all together because I looked like a role model to my siblings, to some mm-hmm. friends, um, right. to many people around me, to just hitting that so- societal, social rock bottom. Um, that was extremely humbling. Mm-hmm. Uh, profoundly humbling. Um, so this is what I was all, you know, the last 10, over the last, let's say, uh, that happened in 2013, 2014. And that was a moment of deep awakening. I leaned into the shadow. Mm. I had no other choice because all the shame, all the guilt, all the grief, the, aban- the abandonment, the betrayal, I was swimming in that. You know, I had no way to hide no, mm-hmm. you know, from my own feelings. And um, it teaches you real quick that you have to surrender. And there is Mm, something about, we often talk about surrendering to the light, which is great to our power. There's something about surrendering to darkness and letting it have its Mm -hmm. way with you. And there's actually something that I found in my practice, the deep benevolence of quote-unquote darkness i'm not talking about evil stuff i'm not talking about like you know wrestling with some sort of like demonic energies or stuff like that but i'm talking about the spaces within yourself where you feel like there is absolutely no light where you feel like the heaviness of your Mm -hmm. feelings just wants to tear you apart i often ask people think about your shadow as an entity that had a voice For so many years, your shadow said, give me what you don't want. I will hold it for you. Give me what you can't handle. I will hold it for you. Think about the benevolence in that. Give me what keeps you Mm -hmm. from being able to function. I will hold it for you. But as soon as you knock at the door, more empowerment, your shadow will say, if you are reaching for that level of light, you need to reclaim this part here actually access that light 
So here you go. Mm-hmm. It was the ultimate benevolence in that. Back then, I didn't know that. It was just excruciating. And I was just like surrendering of to course. that and, you know, going through moments of like, you know, I was receiving from the scholarship to pay for all my bills and stuff like that. And then it stopped. I expected that. Um, but there was just these transition moments where yeah. I was completely broke. I experienced being homeless for for a few weeks. It's just like, wow. look at me. Even my parents wow. knew everything that I'm going through right now. You know, they they wouldn't they would disown me. Well, they did um, for a while. They did that out of the disappointment they felt. But during that time, it was complete aloneness. And wrestling with that, feeling completely unsupported and wrestling with that, so many different things. So that was a rock bottom mm. moment that set me on this kind of like weird trajectory that took so many so many years up until now. So Yeah. Wow. I I actually have a question about this because having integrated obviously your shadow side. To become the leader you are today is it's, an experience it's that, it's, it's yeah, happening. it's definitely a progress, hundred <laughs> percent. But in those throes of surrender, yeah. and like you said, entering your dark periods, what kept you from going back? Because I think that a lot of our listeners they sort of almost like flirt with the shadow, right? Flirt with the idea of letting mm. go of what no longer is serving them, but something keeps them from fully descending into that darkness, right? Letting that ego death happen, if you will. So I'm kind of curious if you could share with us what what kept you from going back, even after facing homelessness and this disownment from your family, what did you need to believe or what sort of piece of faith did you have within you to keep going? Where did you get your trust from? I love this question. I think that's the first time I have to ponder that question. I actually tried to go back. Oh, thank you for thank you for being honest about that because that, well, that's welcome. good for us to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Things got so bad at some point. You know, it's like I remember at the time, especially on the financial side, you I'm I'm one to be like, okay, you know, it's spirit, the divine, my heart is inviting me to lead into a direction and I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna lead it there. Looking back, it didn't have to be this hard. There are things. There are so many things that I could have done to. What do I know about what it needed to be or not? You know, from this awareness, there's a part of me that is trying to say it could have been gentler. But what do I know? It Mm. was the way it was, and that's okay. So, what Mm -hmm. happened is there are moments of being, you know, that were just very difficult financially, um, and there are moments of. Hence, doubt that came up, and I yeah. tried to make it work again. Tried to eventually go back to the university, and it just didn't align. So I noticed that when I tried to make that movement back, there was just so many things that seemed just be in the way of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started being with that. But there's a there is a certain feeling that I felt after I decided to let go after the the PhD. It was terrifying, mm-hmm. and yet it was the calmest I had ever been 
Yeah, it was it was terrifying yes. for sure. It's like I had all these kind of like three D questions, meaning how am I going to mm-hmm. pay for my expenses? I'm going to have to find a job for sure. Um, um, this apartment where I'm in right now, I don't, I can't afford it right now since I decided to let go. I didn't, I didn't save enough money. Mm-hmm. So all these three D concerns were there, but when I would tune into yeah. my heart there was like a huge degree of peace with the decision. So the knee-jerk reaction that I had, thank God it didn't work out. So Mm. that's what I can say. What kept me going, because there are so many things that I could have done. There were options that showed up. Um, I could have found a way to go back in a PhD program. I would have had to wait out another year to go back in there, but I could have made it work. There are so many of options that were there. And there was just a part of me that was like, you will, you know, you won't be satisfied in these places. I had to make this with the humbling process, actually, because there are so many things I wanted mm-hmm. to do. Getting a job in finance, I could have done that. I knew it would also take me out of the focus that I needed to have on my own journey because it would be demanding. So there was some sort of like knowingness. And I often call it like trust in the very fabric of life. Mm. What do I mean by Mm. that is there's this part of your psyche, of your consciousness, if you wish, that is holding everything together. Even the parts that you have a hard time accessing. Even the parts that are experiencing the highest degrees of pain. There's this fabric of love. I often like to call it the geometry of love. That is, you know, Mm. that is at the base of all experience. That is at the base of everything that we are. And the question that used to come up was like, can you just trust a day longer? And can you trust a day longer? Can you, it's, it's like, my soul was asking me for a line of credit almost. It's like, can you just mm. like trust for a day longer? Can you? And that's what kept me going, literally, especially the days where, especially during the days where I had no home. That was really challenging. Yeah. Um, but weirdly enough, it only lasted, me being out of a house lasted, I think, a few days because I had a friend that was traveling um, and he needed somebody to look after his apartment. He thought about me. He didn't even know that I didn't have a home back then. Wow, synchronicity. And I was just like, how freaking appropriate. Yes, like, and after seeing that, I was like, yeah, I can trust you a day longer. I can give you a week. I can give you two weeks. I can give you more. So Mm. in these moments of experiencing desperation, there is often holding the intent that I have right now, which is every single time I need direction, dear spirit, tell me what it is I need to know. Point me where I need to yes. go. And make it so obvious mm-hmm. that with my filters and with my own kind of limitations, I'm able to perceive what you're trying to communicate to me. Mm. And without fail, I've met people that were angels in my life and they didn't even know that they were, or maybe they did. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what I have to say at the moment. I wasn't all trust. There was 
like on a daily basis, they were just like wrestling with doubt and guilt and shame. That was happening on a daily basis. Yeah. And there, there, there were these moments yeah. of attuning to the now moment and being like, hey, you know what? I am here. And when I look at the choice that I've made, if I were to go back then, I cannot see your potential of me staying there and being able to be at peace with my soul. So this is going to have to work somehow. That was the mentality. Yeah. I didn't have more than that to work with. Yeah. Yeah, I think it really comes down to choosing what is going to be your priority. What is going to be that North Star? What is the main intention and where I'm going, right? Because as you talked about, there's a lot of things that might come up like, oh, let me just go back to that job or that school because I have to pay to, yeah. to live. And there's all of these different things that, yeah, I could make a lot of money, but like I won't have my yes. peace. And there would have been a time where you would have chosen that over peace because that was the North Star. But I think now trying to kind of lean towards more towards light and finding the light, like that's been me and Sam's journey is like, we just keep leaning towards where the yeah. light is, even if on paper, it looks like this looks better, right? This is more money, more opportunity. And, um, you know, we were just chatting before we started recording about shadow careers. So I'd love for you to talk about that because I think shadow careers are... I don't really know what their purpose is other than to maybe just reflect back the inner turmoil or doubt that we have within us. But I feel like every time I go through a big shift in my life where I am leaning towards more, more light and really surrendering, it's like more of these shadow career opportunities come up. <laughs> it's like as soon as I make that choice to live in light and lead with love and not lead from my ego and my small self, it's like, all of those success on paper opportunities just come flooding. And it's just been me repeatedly choosing time and time again, peace over that, you know, my new version of success over the old version. Um, but it's hard. And I can see why some people would slip back into that because as you said, it's 3D problems. Like I got to pay rent. I got to pay for my kids' schooling. I got to buy food. And so I would just love for you to share kind of your journey with your shadow careers and how it ultimately led you to being physically sick and um and how that led you to surrender and what surrender really looked like for you in that time so i love that question and all the analogies that you bring up they're so on point one of the um you know to the question that sam had which is why did i keep going i had this realization i only want to go back because i'm because i'm broke that was that was it yeah it's like yeah it wasn't coming from my heart it mm. wasn't coming from my spirit it was just like I had to have that moment of honesty. If I was given $50,000 right now, if I was given, if I was guaranteed rent for each, for every month, was I going to keep going? Hell no. Hell yeah, no. Yeah, seems Answer so clear. Was clear. So I often ask people, if your 3D concerns, relational, financial, and all of the other things that you feel like it's the end of the world, if all of this would be take, were taken care of, would you go back? Would you do this? And if your answer is no, then maybe you have your answer. So that yeah. was the thing for me. So there was still the need, though. You know, I still had the need of like, hey, I need to eat. I need to, you know, to have a place. So I took a job. I needed to. Um, started working in a restaurant. Ended up staying there for um, maybe five or six, five years, definitely. Um that was another humbling experience because I come from a family where, you know, restaurant work, they, they just look down at all these different things. 
your light is going to humble you so much, really humble yeah. you so that you can actually hold it, so that you can be the container. Mm-hmm. And that humbling is a deepening mm-hmm. that is necessary. It was so necessary for me back then. So took the job. And then I started investing in learning, kind of trainings. It's like every penny that I could save, I would take all kinds of trainings. Um, I remember some of my first trainings that I took was uh, ELP, uh, sorry, EFT practitioner tapping mm-hmm. and all of that. I was interested in all these kind of things. So I started just accumulating trainings that resonated with me. Um, and then there was always the thought, I can do that with people. Like, I have the knowledge to do that with people. And then I was in my ma- my mind. I was like, here's, I mean, you pondering being a life coach, never heard, like, before coming to Canada, it, was, it wasn't even in my vicinity. Um, you're a guy that comes from Africa. How are people going to relate to you? These are my judgments mm. that... I have to wrestle with all of these. How are people going to relate to you? Trust that you can bring them places. And here you are. You just, I had my judgments about dropping the PhD. Severe, kind of like I made that choice. Yeah. But still, I was wrestling with my conditioning, all these internalized, internalized voices. And these values that I had received from parents, from culture, these imprints were there so strongly. So unconsciously, part of me wanted to prove family to friends that I wasn't crazy. I refused to be the fool. You know, I didn't want to look like a fool because I was so, I'm going to say the word, I was so arrogant. Quickly interrupting this episode to talk about an exciting opportunity to work with both of us, our new six-month coaching mastermind, The Unlayer Itself. Gina, tell them what's happening. Together, we'll be working through the layers of self-worth, self-doubt, fear and anxiety, money trauma, nervous system dysregulation, social conditioning, generational trauma. The Unlayered Self Mastermind is truly unlike anything you'll ever experience. We literally created a container that features every single tool and practice that has ever helped us uncover our own unlayered self. Everything we learned to shed self-doubt, fear, guilt, and shame. And we had to spend collectively over half a million dollars in personal and spiritual development to now teach you what we embody. The Unlayered Self is a high-level mastermind that offers one-on-one coaching with both of us, group coaching, two in-person retreats, and an intentional community. You can get all the deeds by clicking the link at the top of our show notes. We begin the journey on September 12th. Let's get back to the episode. I wanted to be seen as somebody that knew what he was doing, that I wasn't that crazy. Mm, I was just doing something that they couldn't see. And even if there is some degree of truth in there, there was just a part of me that was acting from this kind of hurt self-worth and hurt self-esteem. I was out there to try to prove something. So I was like, Okay, I want to help people. I know I'm into this. What does that look like? How about we open a gym? How about, you know, I learned fitness and nutrition and, you know, um, it felt like, yes, I'm going towards that direction, but I'm, I'm staying within a framework that my family can understand. It's like, I'm, mm, absolutely. Yeah. So I created that. It was like a hybrid. hybrid. Started working with a lot of like health brands, nutrition companies. Um, even network marketing, it was still in that kind of health thing. And I was like, yeah, if I make it in this domain, mm-hmm. they can 
that was all unconscious, by the way. It's like I had to sit with myself and being like, okay, why did I go towards that? And part of me noticed I was still trying to prove that I was worth, that I wasn't crazy. Um, so that's the first shadow career. Yeah shadow career that i created well within that there were like many the personal trainer the the nutrition coach that would spend time with people creating meal plans and all of that um with that was a network marketer the gym owner um we ended up closing the gym in like 2018 um but there was so many i would just add another thing and it would still feel empty mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll be like maybe i just need to create now my own fitness app and all of that. Maybe I need to create my YouTube around this. And it still felt empty. It's like I just needed to fill it with so many things to feel like I am on it. And then a part of me was like, okay, man, you are still in, avo- in avoidance. So 2016, I started developing this like crazy asthma symptoms. And I was, but then I was uh. at the peak of my physical health. You know, I was the healthiest I had ever felt, kind of like literally. Um, if I wanted to push myself a little bit more to compete into a fitness competition, and I could do that back then. So the asthma made no sense. The doctors were like, we don't understand. You seem to have asthma symptoms. We're going to give you asthma medication, period. I was like, seriously? I have asthma now. So that was really interesting and really intense, <laughs> like 2016. And there was one night I remember where I was out of my prescription and I was out of medication and all these pumps. And I was walking in Montreal looking for an open pharmacy because I needed some supply of the the different pumps. I I just sat on the side of the street. I was just like, this is crazy, literally crazy. It's like, if there is something that I need to hear that I'm not able to hear, I need you to get loud without being brutal. That was me talking to my spirit. I was like, I need you to be loud <laughs> without being brutal. And I just put that intention out there. Hmm. Um, I think a few months after that, it was still in 2016, I took another training. It was some, some sort of like intuition development, something in Montreal. and. In the room, there is this kind of reader or psychic. I don't know what she was doing. She was next to me, taking the training as well. And we finished. She looks. She kept looking at me the whole training. I was like, what's wrong with this lady? A little older. Um, so during the lunch break, she looks at me again from afar. I'm like, there's, you know, and I approached her. I was like, I keep seeing you looking at me. Is there anything that's, go- is there anything going on? She didn't say she didn't say anything. At the end of the day, when we finish the training, she comes back again towards me. And I'm like, well, maybe this lady doesn't like my face. She's like, you're holding your breath. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, you're holding oh. your breath. You're resisting life. You're holding your breath. Like this keeps coming. She was like, this message has been in her head since the training started, and she cannot take it off off her head. And she, I was like, what does it mean? She's like, I don't wow. know. And she was like, but you're holding your <laughs> breath. Um, and she, she asked me, think, think about what breath means to you. Think about what 
your, you know, holding it means to you or whatever. She's like, just think about it. Think about it. But this is what is here for you. And that was the last time I saw her. When I sat with that, there was really all the ways I had been trying to avoid going to the core of it, to the core of why I decided to drop this PhD to begin with. All the ways I had been avoided with Malite. And in my opinion, all of us, to a certain degree, we have a very avoidant relationship with all light. We're like, I love you, but I yeah. can't be too close yes. to you. It's like, I need you. I want you. But hey, that closeness, it scares me. So I always say that the first relational yeah. work that I had to do, kind of like um, attachment work that I had to do was kind of healing my avoidment, avoidant attachment to my own light, to what I came here to do. And this is really what unfolded during that period of time. It was this moment of surrender. Weirdly enough, 2018, I stopped needing any sort of medication for asthma. 2018, we closed the gym. Wow. I I just like, between 2016 and 2018, they were just like the deep clearing for me. I was like, okay, I'm not listening. I am aware of that. I'm going to start listening. I'm going to take small steps. I'm going to clear things, clear commitments. All the company, like network marketing things that I was affiliated with, I was just like, I'm out. Um, The team that I was managing there, I was just like, okay, you know what? My life is taking a new direction. I am sorry. Um, I am here's one person that can assist you from now on, but I'm going to have to bow out gracefully clients that I had at the time. I had to be like, I'm taking a new direction. I am very sorry. This is what I have to, this is what I will be going to. If you are ever interested, you can hit me up. So there was that period of like another kind of like clearing and humbling that was happening because I felt like I'm failing this other commitment that I had. Um, the gym we um, closed. I, you mm-hmm. know, we built it from the ground up. We gave to our partner the the name and everything. I'll just like take it, you know, um, do what you can with it. Gym is still open in Montreal right now. Um, so that's what happened. There was just that clearing that needed to happen. This change of direction was not enough. There was mm-hmm. a deeper clearing that needed to happen. And this is something that I often see with light when it wants to move into somebody, when it wants to it wants to possess you to a certain degree, or it wants to take root. Let, mm-hmm. Let's use that. It wants to take root. <laughs> we usually it usually becomes with some sort of vision, we sense, we feel there's something that is here. It's like we have that initial spark. I often say it starts at the level of the crown, that kind of inspiration, meaning spirit making its way down. And then you start perceiving possibilities. And these possibilities, usually they mm. kind of begin to battle with your conditioning, perce- you know, belief that you had. And then it wants to go down again. It's asking you, willpower, are you ready to say yes? Choice, are you ready to say yes? Are you letting me down? And a lot mm. of people get stuck here. They are Because this is a deep mm. part where surrender throat. is needed. It's like from your position of sovereign human, your light is asking for permission to make its way down. You give that permission. And that's usually where we know Mm. if we say yes here, Mm -hmm. it's going to go down here and meet the heart. And at the level of the heart, there is usually a lot of like clearing that needs to happen. 
And that will allow us to actually feel the frequency that that light is wanting to bring in. What did it look like for me? There was a lot of grief that needed to move. Feeling rejected, abandonment, and hurt. Mm. All of that hurt wanted to be melted away so that there could be room, emotional capacity in my heart to actually attune with what I'm being led to. And then it goes down again. It's like, now we're going to deal with, mm-hmm. I want to say, issues of the third energy center. If we're going to use um, this kind of like framework, um, chakras, issues of like worthiness and self-esteem mm-hmm. and self-doubt and inner criticism <sighs> is going to want you to be like, hey, you need to rewire your persona to make room for me. You need to rewire all that kind of like... Wow. Mm. self-criticism, all of these values that you inherited from your lineage that are not no longer aligned with the values that you would need right now to carry mm. this light in the world. And that's a big thing. It's like you when people have said yes here, when that light is starting to kind of like rewire the heart and it wants to go down deeper, the question that it has for you is like, can you rewire issues related to self-worth, self-esteem, and all of that so that you reclaim the power, the stamina to carry it into the world. And then it's going to want to go down again, deal with relational Mm. issues, dealing with your work, um, so many things. And then it's going to want to go down to the root right now, which is, okay, are you going to let me be anchored? And this is usually where we experience the the biggest mm-hmm. changes on a personal level, relationships change when light is really going deeper. We just feel like, hey, I'm no longer in harmony with this specific relationship or this specific friendship. Can we find new ground? Can we renegotiate the terms of our relationship so that this relationship can welcome more of who I truly am now? People are often going to experience that and heal the betrayal, heal the you know issues of that nature, and are going down. Am I willing? Am I willing to really anchor that light? And that sometimes involves a lot of like dealing with family of origin issues, which is something that happened for me. I'm just giving some sort of like if I if if I could give a journey of light through a journey of awakening through all different energy centers. And then there is this capacity now to walk the path with more grace. I would say I was flirting with the work since 20, you know, 20, 2014, 2015. I was just flirting with the, the work. I, it was like what I saw as the work that I'm invited to do. You know, when you have an affair and you're hiding, you Consider that light as many people have an affair with their light. Mm. It's like in the closet, we're going to do our thing. We're going to go all in. We're going to bang. We're going to do whatever. And then your light at some point is like, I want more. I want more. I don't want to be the mistress Mm. anymore. I want to, you know. Wow. That's usually how we treat our light. Until that light is like, you know what? No, I'm no longer playing this game. It's like either we make things official and we are in a committed relationship or you're going to experience these moments of despair and real deep darkness. The more It's like the more you try to push it away, 
the more it feels like you're attempting to abandon something that is so sacred to you for the second time. Because we usually have the first unconscious self-abandonment of all life. Yes. And then when you awaken, mm -hmm. if you try to abandon mm -hmm. that Can't at do that it. time, which is a conscious self-abandonment, most excruciating thing ever. And that's the reason I often tell the people, yes. you think repressing your pain is heavy? Try consciously repressing your light. That's torturous. So yeah, those are the a few things that I want to say about that. Oh my gosh. Wow. I wow. know Gina has so much to say, but I just want to say something first, <laughs> which is thank you because you have so beautifully and eloquently illustrated what happens when we do begin to introduce more light. And I want to normalize, and you already have by sharing your truth, but normalize for you all who are listening that it is only in the introduction of more light that you feel more of your darkness. And that was something that was very confusing to me at first, because when you talked about how the light comes in through the crown first, you start having the visualizations, there's this expansion of possibilities. I remember that happening to me about two years ago, where I just started getting this vision and feeling of like, maybe I will talk more about my spiritual side and start start giving that part of me. Like you said, like we're coming out of the closet just a little bit. We're flirting with it. We're having an affair with it. And then as I began to allow that light to come down through my throat chakra, right? I was actually creating the videos. I was actually using my voice and speaking from the light. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, as that light continued to move down, all of my stuff came up. And the year that I began to step yeah. into my purpose, which was really last year, was you know, objectively my worst year because I felt the most contrast. I felt the most of my pain that had been just suppressed coming up and out. And I didn't really know what was going on for a long time. And there were definitely concerns of, am I even supposed to be doing this? Like, should it be feeling like this? Like, shouldn't moving into my purpose and my passion feel good? Like, should I not do this? A lot of like fantasizing about running away from it and just leaving it all behind, going off the grid, that sort of flirtation. But I'm so glad you illustrated that because it goes to show that we're actually moving in the quote unquote right direction as we allow more light that that sludge starts coming up. I'm actually doing a lot more um, electromagnetic sort of somatic meditations that my practitioner has let me has led me to understand that I'm introducing literally more light into my body. And so I'm feeling more of this this sludginess, mm -hmm. this this heaviness. And like you said, more of that conflict between, what I know to be true, the voice of my light and that conditioning that's kept me in the dark for so long. There's a lot of wrestling that goes on. And I'm going to let Gina speak now because I know she's really just on the cusp um, of having just exited sort of this, this flirtation phase. So I would love Gina to kind of offer her reflections too, <laughs> because it's, it's so, I think it's going to resonate with so many people um, and it's so normal. Hey listeners, quickly interrupting this episode to say that if you're loving this conscious conversation, we're inviting you to join the dialogue with us inside of our free Spiraling Higher community. It's our favorite place on earth and it's where you can meet like-minded souls on their healing journey and discuss what you're spiraling through with your conscious besties. It's where we continue this conversation long after the episode ends because as we all know, healing is an upward spiral. So join the conversation, share with us your insights, questions, and breakthroughs. We're here for it all. You can join by creating a free account by clicking the link at the top of the show notes. Can't wait to see you in there. 
It's so normal. And I think, you know, I love how you describe the light coming in because that's really what happens, right? We get this hit of inspiration, like, oh, I think I would really love to do this, or oh, I think I might have a gift for this, or oh, this was really what my heart desires. And for me, my throat chakra was always very blocked. Um, lots of unspoken dreams, lots of unspoken words and desires just growing up in an Asian household where it was like, no, you don't get to do what you want, <laughs> right? You do what your parents want for you and what they think is appropriate. And so, so many of my desires and my dreams were just put to a halt right at the throat chakra, right there. And because I wasn't expressing it, and I think I then experienced like just this, I called it World War Gina, like internal World War Gina, because it was this war of the worlds. Like there's this internal part of me that desires it so deeply, but then there's other part of me that's like, you can't do that. That's not safe. You're not good enough. And there was definitely a part of me back then that was like what Sam said, if I was meant to do this, it wouldn't feel this bad. Yeah. But now I know like that's yeah. exactly how you know, right? Because it is so in contrast to what that other small part of you wants. And um, yeah, I think for a lot of people, what they struggle with in making that transition to following their light and leading with light is the disappointment of everybody else around them. Like, what is it going to mean for everybody else around me? Who am I letting down? They're not going to understand. They're, it's going to make my mom uncomfortable. She's going to be stressed out. And my response to that now, and I would love to hear yours as well, is the greatest gift we can give ourselves and to everyone around us is to live in our truth because that gives them permission to do the same. And as long as we're in a false role, it continues to perpetuate a false narrative for everybody else, right? And so when I quit a job and I'm stepping away from something that on paper looks really good and I might be letting people down, I have to believe that in me leaving that role it's going to open up even more doors for them, yeah. that it's going to lead them on a path of self-discovery. It's going to, I actually ended a really long-term, very close friendship. And it was very hard because of course, a part of me felt really bad of how much pain she might've endured. But I walked away from that knowing and trusting that it's going to lead her to her path of light, yeah. you know, and the longer that I stay, we're both going to be staying in the darkness. Yeah. And so I would love for you to speak on that for people who are in that transition because I think everybody thinks, you know, how do I know that's not my ego or my, how do I know if that's spirit or ego? How do I know if it's my voice, my true voice or ego? It's it's really hard at first to differentiate because in our own minds, the voice sounds the same. Yeah. It sounds like us. Yeah. And so how did you start to differentiate between those voices, especially when you had so many competing desires and needs and wants and just competing and conflicting, I guess, internal information? Yeah. How do you differentiate the voice? I love that. I love that question and everything that you're bringing up. Um, there are actually many questions in, in what you, you've offered, and I hope I'm able to touch mm. all of them. The first one is, I like to often remind people that when we, when we are born on this earth plane and our soul brings to our caregivers the duty of equipping us with the values that we need to navigate the earth, um, we beyond everything there is this kind of like parent project that we carry the project that they mm. have for us there is a community mm. project that we also are because we represent the hopes the dreams of the community as well and there is a moment mm. of like you know i often say we we'll live in the we we'll live in a world where there are so many rites of passage that are missing there's a moment of transition where you got to reconcile with the fact that 
you are no longer a parent's project. You got to break up with the hopes, the dreams, the aspirations that they had for you. And um, that is usually difficult for many people. It's like literally breaking up with a potential that they seeded into you since birth. It's really difficult, really challenging. And to me, it meant breaking the heart of my mom and my dad, literally. I knew it. I felt it. I knew how hurt my mom was when I said I'm not going to do a PhD. I tried not to do that for like years. Um, sorry, not that, for, for a year. Um, but I knew how heartbroken she was going to be. I was going to have to be the villain in the story mm. of one of the people that I love the most on earth. And I had to make peace with that. And I did break her heart. Even though we can all say, no, she shouldn't put her expectations on me, blah, 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 and all these things. Yeah, we all do. We are human. We expect things of people we love. So I did break her heart. And I had to make peace with that. Mm. I did. Mm. I did break my father's heart. And I had to make peace with that. Um, they all had nights of like, you know, for an African parent that invested a lot of like energy in us. I saw them struggle to send us. My parents weren't that wealthy. Like when we were kids, you know, they put us in a private school. The, the, the best in town. My mom was working there. So they were lucky that she would have a discount. But the first expense in the house forever since I was a kid was schooling. First expense. Beyond everything. And they did that for six children. So there was a part wow. of me that felt like I owed them to, and yeah, I could, I could be with the thought form that I don't really owe them. I'm doing this for me, but there is also wanting to honor the, the investment and all of that. They're just like desiring to honor that. Why not? I want to. So there's a part of me mm -hmm. that was acting from wanting to show them that they did not all these efforts and work, you know, that. It wasn't just all wasted. So breaking up with the project of your parents, of your community, it is one of the hardest things to do and usually something that you can't help but have to do if you're going to allow yourself and grant yourself the kind of freedom that your soul needs to readjust your life in ways that it needs to so that you can embrace your highest blueprint. So that's one thing that, for so many people, needs to happen. It is really difficult. It is really challenging. It will be an initiation of working with some of the most difficult emotions like grief and, you know, anger, even um, rage at times. I remember moments where I was so angry at them, and then moments where I was feeling like a piece of shit because of what I know I was putting, I, I knew I was putting them through. So there's this deep initiation there, kind of clearing the roots almost and uprooting yeah. yourself. Now put yourself in a new paradigm that is going to support what you are attempting to create. So there's this uprooting and it feels like you are betraying. It feels like you are the one now betraying people you love. I felt that way. Yes. I felt like I'm yes. betraying them. I felt like I'm letting them down. So there is an awakening of an archetype in that moment. 
And that archetype is the villain. Oh my God. Many people don't want to go through the awakening of the villain because you're going to feel like even though what you're doing is in alignment with your heart, it is hurting people you love. Even though what you're doing is in alignment with your heart, it is causing people you love to experience deep pain. There is reconciling with that reality that's really difficult for, for so many people, myself included, even to this day. If there's something that I know I need to do, that at home is going to be, it's going to cause a lot of fear to my partner. Um, and she's going to be really worried about something. I know in that moment, I'm going to have to look like the villain in that specific interaction. But I also know if I don't do that, I won't be really good at loving her with feeling all that resentment within me. Same mm. thing back then. So there's really reconciling with all these different polarities. There's one thing to know or to, to want to believe. Yes, that is ultimately going to serve everyone included. But sometimes, you know, everyone that is included in the whole thing. But sometimes it's really hard to access and to reach for that thought form. Sometimes it's really yeah. necessary to to sit face to face with the the truth that a part of you knows. If I do mm -hmm. this, they're gonna feel hurt, even though it's in alignment with my heart. Can that be okay? Because there's a part of you that is asking that question. Can that be okay? And if you don't sit with the feelings, if you don't sit with the potential consequences that can emerge from that and be like, I give permission for this to be for this to be okay. There's a part of you that may still be in resistance. So that's the first thing that I would love to say. I feel like you had another question that I forgot now. Um, I think that the key to, first of all, that was amazing. And I actually started crying because I just resonate so deeply with that, of that deep betrayal and, you know, feeling guilty for their sacrifice, right? It's, it's such a threat to their sacrifice for me to go against what they really want for yeah. me. And it really is like when you were talking about the roots, it's almost like an untangling, yeah. right? And it's like, if you're untangling roots, like some of them might break and some of them are like falling apart. And I just, I think, you know, once I became a mom, I really resonated so deeply with why my parents wanted the best for me, like why they went away. Like it was a terrible parenting style, but I, I can see the love behind yes. it. I can see the intention behind it was coming from, oh my gosh, that's just how much they love me. It's just a terrible way of showing me. Um, but it is so painful. But kind of going back to my other question was like, how do you know Oh yeah. When it's your true voice yes. versus like ego or fear, right? Maybe you're running away from your family and sometimes going against your family is actually not what your spirit wants and that's an ego-driven act too. So how do people differentiate between the voices? Yeah. That's a really interesting question. And I would say ultimately what I'm going to offer cannot be generalized yeah. to every single situation. Of course, because sometimes yeah. the entanglements are so deep mm -hmm. that it's really hard to differentiate. Usually I try to locate different voices within me, mm. really try to locate them. What I mean by that is literally feeling it within my body where the voice is coming from. So what I've noticed in many of the difficult decisions that I've made so far, dropping the PhD, I would feel this kind of like voice coming up and it would be followed by an emotional experience of feeling the, the betrayal, the, that I was going to betray them the anger, feeling the resentment, the disappointment, and all of that. I was all, all of that, I was feeling 
within the like you, you know lower parts of my body like below my heart i was feeling that in there mm. it was a part of me it's naturally normal to dread something that's going to be difficult right people need to hear that in my opinion because we often put also we are often under the illusion that even if a choice is aligned with your intuition your higher self and Easy. stuff that is going to feel within your body really good <laughs> this is bullshit in my opinion like major bullshit some of the most aligned decisions I've ever made felt like wow. hell within me, you know, meaning there was anxiety. There was like sadness, you know, there, there were so many different feelings mm-hmm. associated with that. And now I would also ask the voice that is asking you to do that, locate it within yourself. Where is it coming from? Where do you feel that? When you're tuned to the to the invitation to lean towards something, where are you feeling that? And what I've noticed is when I feel that voice within this realm, it's like speaking to my heart and I can feel that there. I've learned how to lean in there. I've learned how to, to trust that. And I often I often tell people, you are always in every single now moment in a state of co-creation, meaning you're not creating alone. Mm. You can always ask. If any point in time, this decision is not the right one for me, make it clear in a way that I will recognize without ambiguity and so that I can mm. take action on that. That is usually my, my kind of like thing. Mm. Every time I'm leaning into something that feels like an edge, if there's anything that feels like, you know, uh, then I will anchor that intention. But what I've noticed is like, um, to to lean into the fear and to romance the fear. People don't like to hear that, especially when it comes to decision making. <laughs> um, I I would usually invite people lean into the fear and sit with the fear and explore it and even give to that fear a voice and hear it. Mm-hmm. Because usually we're just like feeling anxiety and fear and all of that. We're like, oh, this should, I don't want it to be here. Then we're like, okay, I need to receive guidance to know. We, we're trying to outsource the decision making somehow. I'm like, go into your body, sit mm-hmm. with the part, have a conversation, tune into that. If this fear could speak to me, what would it say? And the part of me was like, some decisions were like, well, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. and I don't know how I'm going to afford that. So I'm like, okay, the, the concern is on the financial material side. That's okay. It's valid. I need to take care of that. But when it comes to the alignment with what I desire, you know, the fear wasn't at that level. It's really kind of like, oh, there is a fear. If I embrace, I see, you know, I've coached so many people. One of the big fears that they have is, if they embrace a specific path, it's going to break a relationship. Yeah, it's going to come and disrupt their love life. They, you know, it's going to challenge their marriage. For example, so many people are usually wrestling with that. It's like tune into it, feel it, feel into it, and sometimes you're going to find out. Hey, that's really where the concern is. How can you approach that concern in the most mature way you can? You can without disowning. The, the heart-centered invitation. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've learned how to ask myself because back then when I, when I was making these big changes and deciding to leave the PhD, 
I wasn't thinking about, hey, you know what, tomorrow, I'm, you know, at the end of the month, I'm going to need to pay rent. There was a little bit of an impulsive aspect to it. So you can reconcile both and ask yourself, how can I address these concerns in the most mature way that I can possibly um, address them without disowning what my heart is inviting me to make right now? Because mm-hmm. we often have the invitation of the higher self and the invitation mm-hmm. of the lower self. The lower self only cares about safety and survival, mm-hmm. which is, yeah. I need to make sure that you don't deny your physical needs, the needs related attached to the, to your humanness. And the lower self is also another part of you that you need to bring and needs to be on board to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. You can't just like spiritually give to yourself bright concepts that will make your lower self be like, okay, fine, I'll follow you. Your lower self is in charge of your bank account. Your lower self is in charge of how much food you have in your fridge. Mm-hmm. Your lower self is the one that is dealing with the. You can aspire to 5D consciousness as much as you want. Your lower self is like, well, you're still in a human body. And as long as you take care of all these different concerns, I'm not following you in whatever ascend, ascended state that you want me to. You know, so there, there's really that full consciousness reconciliation that wants to happen when we really feel that address the fears and also explore the calling and Mm. um that's what i would say i'm not um i could be i could find more cute words to explain that but i think it would serve most spiritually inclined people to not just like brush off the concerns of the lower self yeah because there is a beautiful space where they can all reconcile. Mm. And you, mm. I mean, you did an incredibly beautiful job of naming that making the most aligned decisions for ourselves will oftentimes feel really tumultuous. I think we want those to feel so easy, but <clears throat> for both Gina and I and so many of our clients, in order to step into what is most aligned for you, you have to confront everything that kept you from that. And I feel like that's just not, yes. yeah, it's not a pretty not process, but it's a necessary process. And like I said before we hit record, I'm always amazed at the divinity of timing and the synchronicity of all of this because um, Gina and I are actually, I, we've just actually launched a beautiful mastermind that's for cycle breakers. And the entire intent behind this is to actually sure. alchemize that fear of disappointing others and that fear of stepping into your purpose. And that insanely roller coastery sort of period of life where you're moving into alignment, but there's a lot of things that have to get kind of cleared out of the way in order for you to feel into that. And so I think, if anything, um, for me at least, this conversation just really just triple dog dared, like affirmed for me that we really are on the right path um, in, in our mission and helping more people step into alignment. And um, for those who are moving into alignment, just so you know, as you allow more light, like Xavier said, it's it's a process of recognizing what is dark. And I just want to bring us back to the beginning and how you said there's also benevolence in that darkness. And I've actually never seen it that way yes. before. And so I, I learned uh, a new perspective today. So so thank you for that. Mm-hmm. You're really welcome, um, Congratulations for your mastermind, and I really encourage every every single one that will be in there to 
allow themselves to lean in. And you said the benevolence in darkness, um, in the darkness within ourselves. There's something about the fabric of that darkness. It has been holding every single thing that mm. we didn't know how to hold. Mm. It has been. Mm-hmm. It has been holding it. And that too is benevolent. In our dysfunction, it has been holding all these parts. Even the light that we wanted to throw away, it has been holding it for you by design. I often called all that darkness or your shadow self the dark face of your higher self. It's wow. like there's no separation there. They are yeah. working in tandem. Yes. It's like every single time you say you want something that is bigger and higher, there is a call that is going to be sent to the ethers and to the darker parts, which is grant to this person every single thing that this person needs to access the levels of consciousness that you need. Meaning, when you set an intent for something you desire, if there is something in your shadow that you need in order to embrace that intent, expect it to show its face. If there is an aspect of like more mastery that you need in order to embrace that intent, it will show up as well. You will feel pulled towards it. So you, what I've seen so clearly so far, and that you know this understanding can expand, there is this kind of perfectly balanced attempt of life itself mm-hmm. at giving you what you need for your next level of expansion. And it will show up from things that are challenging that you need to integrate so that you can embrace whatever you desired or things that are more from the light side, like skills and like ideas and like mm-hmm. aspirations that feel so expensive that you're being drawn to to embrace. It's a perfectly balanced system. Mm. It doesn't look like that all the time. But no. it is. Ugh. And the more we, re- re- we reconcile with that, the universe itself is actually a benevolent force, even when it doesn't look like this. Yeah. It's actually a benevolent force that wants to support whatever you desire in every single mm. now moment. Mm. It is very liberating. It has been in my experience. And now this is why people wrestle a lot with the skeptic. And, you know, it's like, how can that be true? If this were true, why did I have to go through all of this in my life? Yeah. So far, my answer is yes. You had to go through all of that because you did. Yes. Yeah. Eckhart Tolle says that all the time. You know that that experience is meant for you because you're having it. <laughs> like, that's how you know. Yeah. And I think yeah. one of the things that we've really been adopting over the past, you know, however long, has been this energy of duality. You know, that I'm, I told Sam, you know, maybe a couple of weeks ago that I feel the most afraid I've ever felt but I, on the other side of that, feel the most love and freedom I've ever felt. Like I'm holding both. And I think for so many people, they think they have to live in one or the other, but being able to dance within all of it together and to even befriend my fear instead of being like, oh, get away from me. It's like, no, it's like, I understand why you're here. And I get to be the light that shows you, you don't need to freak out, (laughs) you know, and dancing with that and embracing that and embracing all of these parts of us, because I think the lighter we get and the more light that we can see, as you said, it's like you see how many shadows there are. It's like you 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 notice so much more. Our awareness grows so much more. We feel so much more. We're unnumbing. And so as we unnumb, we're just noticing and becoming so much more aware of everything. Um, but I just love how you spoke so beautifully about the shadow and the darkness because I think everyone's going to walk away from listening to this episode learning to love it more and to embrace it instead of resisting and to accept that it's it is here for us. Um, I have a very deep belief that every ounce of contrast is always 
always for us because it's in those darkest moments that we get brought to the deepest surrender. And we do things that we would never do. We would look in places we would never look. We would reach out to people that we would never reach out to. There's so much inspiration that comes from feeling the worst Mm -hmm. you've ever felt, right? Because it's really easy when everything's good. (laughs) You're just kind of floating through life. You're not really looking at your own stuff. You're just enjoying it. And so I think there's so much beauty in that. Um, One thing I really would love for you to touch on before we close off here is the full archetype. Because I think as we step into our light, there's a lot of cringy moments, right? There's a lot of, you know, oh, I don't want someone to think this is weird or, you know, coming out of the so-called spiritual closet for a lot of people or finally deciding that you want to quit your corporate job to become an artist. It looks really foolish. And it's hard sometimes when you're in a circle of this, like us three, I can easily say, hey, I'm stepping into my life. And both of you guys are going to be like, yeah, cheering me on. Then you go on to the real world in the 3D world where most people are not adopting these this new paradigm and they're looking at you like you're crazy. And that contrast and that, you know, yeah, that paradoxical style of living, I think, can be really confusing for people and hard to look like the fool while you're also in a wound and you're healing the wound. So it's kind of like doubly painful um, when it also looks foolish. So can you share about the fool archetype? So thank you for your question. I love the full archetype and it's something that I've had to make peace with because I appeared foolish for to so many people, so many people. Mm-hmm. And initially it's something that you want to reject because we live in this culture where we like to appear as if we have, we have it all together. We want to be cool. You know? Yeah. Rather than we the fool, cool. we want to be cool. Like who wants to be the fool? <laughs> like at school, yes. like when you're in the, you know, on the playground, like who wants to be with the weirdos and, many people yeah you know it's like yeah there is so much kind of like conditioning emotional conflict that we received outside of the home and happened in school you know you you don't want to be looked like the fool you don't want to look weird you don't want to be bullied and you know experience all of that back then so mm-hmm. when i started writing about the um the full archetype and how it's actually an, an agent for evolution there are mm. so many different feelings that we have a hard time dealing with. Shame being one of the first ones. The full archetype has fully reconciled shame. Mm. The full archetype thrives on shame. Think about the buffoon or think about that fool in a royal court. And that is the person that it's like shame doesn't even touch the fool. Wow. Shame is actually what the fool is thriving on. I'm inviting you to think about the full archetype being here. And then you have all these other archetypes within you, like the artist or the light worker or the coach or the helper, whatever other archetypes. And you want to bring so much beautiful art in the world, but you have a hard time handling how the world is receiving your art. Because the artist, it's like so much of your self-esteem is related to the quality of art you produce, Mm -hmm. you know, as an artist or as a healer, you may be like, well, I'm only as good as I'm actually providing kind of like real results to people and helping them experience healing. So how people that I serve are relating to my art form or my craft, it really matters to me. So these archetypes, they have a hard time taking on criticism and shame and judgment 
And usually the fool appears, and the fool is the one that says, let me deal mm. with it. Give it to me. When shame comes, give it to me. When laughter comes, give it to me. When you made fun of, give it to me. I will transmute that and give it back to you in the form of like creative power. That is the language of the fool in the most empowered perception. That is what the fool wants to do, that archetype. It's like an agent of liberation. Appear foolish if you need to. If there is shame that comes up, let me deal with it. Let me laugh at it. Let me transmute it through, you know, ironic kind of like amusement or whatever. I can take it on. I thrive on it. That is the language of the fool. And when we are willing and when we're willing to flirt with the fool archetype just for a little bit, the level of freedom that we experience and even creative freedom, freedom of expression, it is off the charts. Because there's a part of you that learns how to embrace the attributes of the fool, which is, I'm going to dance with shame. Or I'm going to laugh with it. Or I'm going to allow it. I'm going to I'm going to take shame on it. You know, like, I'm going to bring shame into my show. We're going to actually increase the performance based off of this shame that is coming up. Oh, you shaming me? It means you must like it. So <laughs> let me give you more, say the fool. So... And how is that showing up in my my work? Kind of like ground that into practicality. Mm-hmm. Every single time I receive a hateful comment on social, immediately within two hours, mm-hmm. I will use whatever came from that comment yeah. to create the next. Yes. Moment. Yeah. Every single time. I don't, I don't even, you know, I don't, I, I rarely engage in like the needy. I usually don't have like patience for engaging with kind of, you know, hateful comments or like overly criticizing. When a person has a point, I'm going to give that to them real quick. It's like, yeah, actually, you make a real good point. Thank you for bringing yeah. that up. But if it's just like somebody attempting to literally bring me down, oh, okay, let's give you more of this. That's how yeah. I'm, I'm recycling that energy. And I'm like, there you go. Do you need more <laughs> of this show? Do you have more to say? And um, it has been the most beautiful process in my work so mm. far. And it has allowed me to show up in containers and to show up with more of my humanness instead of tempting to play mm. guru or know-it-all or whatever. It has. This is what allows me to come up and to be like, hey, you know what? Before we start, I need to give myself permission to fully <laughs> disappoint you. And people are like, mm. you know, it's like, is he giving himself a cop out? Yes, I may. Can that be okay? Um, or it's like really allowing myself this kind of yes. freedom to serve so that the other archetypes, the wise one and whatever other archetypes that are inside that can actually serve powerfully, they feel like they don't have to handle mm. shit because the fool mm. is here. You know, and all the, the the lover is here, the part of me that can offer so much compassion to myself. So that's what I have to say about the full archetype. It's a really potent one. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, definitely. Especially as like Gina said earlier, as we step into these new roles and show up in different ways, can can we have fun with it and honestly be able to make fun of ourselves? I think that is truly yeah. a mark of uh confidence is to be able to laugh at yourself and not take it all so seriously. Um, Xavier, I I could say so many things. I mean, thank you for, you know, urging us to trust another day, 
for helping us learn how to alchemize our light and embrace both villain and full archetypes. It's been honestly such an incredible just hour of, wow, so much light wisdom. Thank you. And uh, here, thank you so much. Here on the Spiraling Higher podcast, we always asks our, ask our guests a final question. And that is, what theme have you had to consistently throughout life spiral through? What do you keep coming back to over and over again? What do I keep coming back to? Um, wow, that's a very interesting question. What do I keep coming back to over and over again? There is this kind of like thing that keeps happening even today. Like, you know, um, that kind of who do you think you are? It keeps coming mm. up. You know, people think. And maybe we're going to talk about another type, which is the imposter, um, which also comes up sometimes very strongly. I happen to have yeah. these moments of like deep connectedness, like really deep connectedness and feeling into potentials that I could birth and things that I could create. And there's often that voice that is like, can I really do this? It's not anchored in like, it's this kind of humility that I've... Yeah. Pe- people usually... Um, humility has been one of my big um, topic, you know, mechanisms to cut out so many different things. Mm. It's like, who am mm. I? So I've been experiencing a lot of shadow of humility. It's like, yeah. no, I want to keep myself humble. Mm-hmm. Or I want to make sure that I'm not too full of myself. And I've learned, I'm still learning to dissolve that skillfully. It is really challenging because that kind of false Mm -hmm. humility can be something that blocks us a lot. So every single time I feel like the next idea is there, the next thing is there. It's often that voice that comes up that's like, like, who are you to do this? It's like, I need to speak to that part Mm -hmm. of me. I need to really convince that part of me and we need to work together. And there is such a deep desire to, to lead no one um, the feeling of letting people down, which is a very challenging mm-hmm. feeling for me to be with. Um, the feeling yeah. that I have let people down. And it's something that I get to work with every single time. Every, every single time I facilitate a group, every single time, you know, I bring an offering out there. It is just something that I need to be mindful of. And that is the thing that keeps coming up. That is the thing that keeps coming up. And to this day, I'm actually grateful that it keeps coming up because it allows me to yeah. not to create from this place of arrogance and um, from this place of like spiritual superiority or almost. Yeah. So that is mm-hmm, one of the things mm-hmm. that usually keeps coming up. And, you know, when it comes mm. up, I deal with it. When it comes up, I go through my kind of principles necessary to create something that I deem meaningful enough to offer to people. And I keep dancing with that. The dance that doesn't stop, the spiraling yeah. doesn't stop. And just like you, you, you like it. that voice actually keeps spiraling me higher. If I'm going to put it that way, if I'm going to use the name of your podcast, that's one of the ways like just like checking with myself, because I think in this line of work, integrity matters a lot. Um, so yes. yeah, that's what yeah. came up for me. So beautiful. Wow. 
Thank you so much. Honestly, Xavier, I swear, I want to just keep talking. There's so many questions, but we will just have to have you back on again. This was so powerful, deeply moving for me personally. I was like silently crying <laughs> throughout a lot of your your words. And just thank you so much for showing up. You know, <laughs> it's okay. There were good tears. Um, you know, just thank you so much for showing up so truthfully and truly being somebody that unlocked so much of my truth and gave me permission to really let my light out. So you have been just personally for me, somebody that has impacted my life in an immense way. So Thank you so much. And I'm sure our listeners are going to fall in love with your work as well. We'll have all of your stuff in the show notes where they can find you. Um, But thank you again for coming on and we'll have to see you next time. Well, it was a pleasure. I deeply enjoyed this conversation and I'm thankful that you reached out. That was a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for helping Mm. us spiral higher. Thank you. Bye, Xavier. Thank you so much for listening to this honest conversation. We hope it brought you peace, clarity, and a little bit further along your spiritual journey. If you loved this episode, it would mean the world to us if you left us a five-star rating and a review so we can bring you more conscious conversations, spiritual topics, and guests. And we lovingly invite you to join our free Spiraling Higher community by clicking the link in the show notes to continue this healing dialogue and share with us how this episode impacted you. Come on in, introduce yourself, and meet your conscious besties in a safe space for healing conversations between us and other like-minded people on their healing journey. Here's to Spiraling Higher. Thank you.